In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Apostles St. James the Greater. We call him the Greater because there were two apostles named James, so one is commonly denoted as the Greater and the other as the Lesser. St. James was one of the apostles closest to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, there are various scenes in the Gospel when our Lord calls aside three of his apostles and uh, uh, and he will take them with him. Uh, and those are Peter and James and John. Um, we find these three apostles with him, for instance, at the, at the Transfiguration. And we find them with him at, uh, uh, at the, uh, the agony in the garden. And these three apostles were later acknowledged as having a, also a kind of authority, uh, even within the College of Apostles. Um, St. James... Um, is perhaps the lesser known of the three, right? Um, they're all known. We've all heard of the of the apostles. Peter, of course, is the is the prince of the apostles, the first pope. Saint John, um, the writer of the of the fourth gospel and of uh, the book of Revelation and and of uh, three letters in the New Testament. Um, Saint Saint James also wrote one letter in in the New Testament, and he. Um, he was the first bishop of the of the church in Jerusalem, right? Uh, and uh, he went off uh, at one point, and he he preached the gospel not only in in that area in Judea, he also preached in in Samaria, uh, and then he he went on and he preached in Spain, uh, which is why today there's a a big shrine uh, erected in his honor, uh, the, the shrine of Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Um, and this shrine was actually the most popular pilgrimage site in all of Europe for many centuries. And even today, um, there are countless people who will make the journey on foot uh, from various parts of Europe to, uh, to to visit this beautiful shrine of Santiago de Compostela, St. James of Compostela. And um, St. James had the, the singular privilege <coughs> of being <coughs> the first of the apostles to meet martyrdom and thus to enter into his eternal glory um there was a uh he was arrested during the the reign of herod um uh, the same one who had beheaded saint john the baptist and uh, um and james uh, met the same fate in about the year 42 a.d um and so he was the first apostle to enter into eternal glory okay and in a certain sense this is a fulfillment of something he had wanted all along right uh, in today's gospel, we we find the story of Saint James and his brother Saint John uh, are being taken by the hand, so to speak, by their their ambitious mother uh, to our blessed Lord, and uh, and their mother asks this tremendous favor on their behalf, uh, saying, "Lord, grant that my two sons may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy kingdom." Um, you know, to those of us who have been, shall we say, raised in a a Christian mindset, the, the, uh, this request would seem almost absurd, right? It's just like, what do you mean? You know, why do you, you know, you're asking our Lord for, um, you know, to have glory above other people. You're asking our Lord to, uh, um, to, to, to have the highest positions in the kingdom. That's contrary to the gospel, right? Well, it is, but, um, you have to understand, uh, James and John are, are still haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, right? And, uh, 
they uh, they were brought up in a in a in a world which had a different mentality precisely because it hadn't been enlightened yet by the gospel, and so they're still struggling to to grasp the full uh, sense, the full essence of of the gospel, which consists not in in worldly honors, not in worldly glory, not in occupying the highest positions in the church or in human society. Uh, it consists rather in taking the last place, in humbling oneself, making oneself a servant. But the reason that we Christians believe that is precisely because our Lord taught us that, right? Um, in fact, it's interesting, um, um, you know, very often when, when people talk about, uh, you know, the contributions that the church has made to world history, we, you know, we think about things like, you know, the church invented uh, universities and hospitals and, um, you know, we, we gave the world the, the beautiful basilicas and cathedrals and um, beautiful sacred music and sacred art. All of this is true. But we forget that the church has given, you know, these are just, shall we say, external signs of, uh, of something much deeper, a much deeper transformation that took place in society thanks to the gospel. And what was that? Well, our, our Lord gave us grace, uh, and he taught us what true glory meant. Uh, in particular, he taught us about the virtue of humility. Um, one of the, the stumbling blocks that the pagan world had uh, and even the Jewish world, uh, to accepting our Lord, was this virtue of humility. Um, because in the, in the ancient world, there really was um, very little concept of humility. People didn't prize humility very much. They, they, uh, they didn't have a clear sense of it. And so it was, it was just kind of common sense to everybody that they should be in the first places, that they should be respected, that they should, um, you know, that they should... Uh, demand their rights, and that they should uh, actually, actually, even the concept of rights ultimately was given to the world by the Catholic Church. But we'll leave that aside. Um, 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 you know, everybody in the pagan and Jewish world thought it was great to to be somebody, to be at the the top of the heap, uh, to be the uh, the top dog, and uh, and it was our Lord coming into this world, uh, humbling himself by becoming a little child, who who overturned that mentality. It was our Lord who taught us that there's something far greater than having honor and respect in this world. Um, there's another kind of glory, a glory which doesn't consist in having other people compliment you and obey you and, and uh, tell you how wonderful you are, um, a glory that consists rather in, in being like God, uh, a God who is all goodness, a God who is all love, a God who gives himself to the point where he has nothing left to give. Uh, a God who is willing to hide his glory, uh, appearing to us uh, first under the, the appearances of a, of, uh, of a little babe at Bethlehem, then under the appearance of a, of a criminal uh, on Calvary, and then under the appearances of bread and wine in the Mass. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the pagan world stumbled over uh, the humility of our blessed Lord. Uh, they couldn't grasp why a God would be willing to to become flesh like this, and they, they even used it as a, a kind of proof uh, against the truth of the Christian religion. They figured, well, a, a real God couldn't possibly be so humble. And the opposite is true, actually. A real God, um, if he is the true God, must be so humble, because humility is truly a beautiful virtue. <coughs> and James and John eventually learned this lesson. Um, and they learned also that um, in, in order to enter into the true glory of heaven, um, they had to not only choose the last places here in this world, but they also had to drink our Lord's cup of suffering. And so our Lord in the Gospel today says, 
Um, you know not what you ask. Can you drink the chalice that I shall drink? They say to him, yes, we can. They have no idea what they're saying, of course. Um, and he saith to them, my chalice indeed you shall drink, but to sit on my right or left hand is not mine to give to you, but to them for whom it is prepared by my father. Okay. By the way, you have this mysterious reference here. Our Lord's saying that you know, he, he can't give them the, that tremendous privilege of sitting at his right and left hand, of being the most glorious saints in the, in the kingdom of heaven. But he indicates that this, these positions have been, have been uh, reserved for someone, for someone concrete, someone in particular. Who are they? Well, common sense, Catholic common sense and, and the saints would tell us that uh, uh, sitting at the right hand of our Lord and the left hand of our Lord are his blessed mother and his foster father, St. Joseph. And why? Because these were the two saints who had most perfectly lived the gospel uh, in humility, in faith, uh, and who had suffered most for the sake of the kingdom. And so um, let's ask St. James to pray for us this day that we might learn the meaning of true glory, uh, that we might renounce whatever desire there may be in our heart to obtain the, the false, vain glory of this world, and that we might uh, uh, pick up our cross, uh, imitate our Lord's humility, and drink the chalice of suffering that is reserved for us. And if we do this, then we will attain true glory in the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.